Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. God is still on the throne, and prayer changes things. Today, Doug Stoffer shares his insight on the tribulation. Make plans today to join us at one of our upcoming events. Our first event of the new year is February 16th and 17th in the Tampa Bay, Florida area. And then, Lord willing, Tri-Cities, Tennessee will be next up, March 8th and 9th. Is America in Bible Prophecy? Find out at the Florida Conference from Donald Perkins. The latest details on the march toward a one-world system will be revealed. Biblical mysteries will be uncovered. And you'll learn how to have true spiritual victory in the invisible war on the saints. Biblical artifacts from Israel will be on display with an archaeologist ready to answer your questions. Friday and Saturday, February 16th and 17th at Hicks Road Baptist Church. Call 1-800-652-1144 for more information or visit the events page at swrc.com. Tickets for this special event are free, but seating is limited. Don't be left behind. Register today. 1-800-652-1144. Last October, Doug Stoffer was a speaker at our Columbus, Ohio conference. Today, we're going to listen to a portion of his presentation entitled, Surviving the Tribulation. Pastor Doug Stoffer, make him welcome, ladies and gentlemen. All right, this is going to be exciting because I'm going to do a couple things I have never done. So let me go ahead and get started. Um, I was not sure what direction I was going to go. Uh, the great deception unveiling the Antichrist. First of all, you don't have to be worried about it if you're saved. If you're saved, you're leaving. If you leave, he's coming after us. And if you're confused on 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, let me give you that because I've written a whole book on 1 and 2 Thessalonians. The Bible says there's going to call a, come a falling away first and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who posedly exalted himself, sit in the temple of God, showing himself that he's God. What does the Bible say that word first? What does first mean? It has to happen first, right? Does it say a falling away and the man of sin be revealed first? Or does it say falling away first, comma, and the man of sin be revealed? There's a three and a half year gap that not there, and I'm not going to show you all the slides on that. It's a whole different uh, presentation that I do. But later on it says, and that wicked shall be consumed when Jesus Christ comes back, flaming fire. Remember that? That's another three and a half year gap. So you have the rapture at the very beginning of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1. And then it says a falling away first. The only thing that has to happen before... Uh, the rapture is a falling away. And what's the Bible say? Men shall wax worse and worse, right? So how bad is it going to get? Worse and worse. Thank you. You are listening. So that's the only thing you need to think about. So think about how open-ended that is. How bad is it going to get? Worse. Okay? So why do we see things getting worse? It's because the Bible's being fulfilled. Simple stuff that, you know, if you, if you get it, it's, um, it's liberating because when you have the answers to those that doubt, you can help them get out of the error that they are in. Let me make sure. See, I told you it's going to be new for me because I have my iPad here once I get to chapter 6. But let's go ahead and do a little preliminary first. I'm Doug Stoffer. Usually I bring my wife to these things, um, but 
I told her sitting on the couch one day a couple of weeks ago, I said, good news, hon. I'm flying to um, Columbus. Bad news, you're not going. I said, so you stay home, you take care of everything you're taking care of, and so I had to leave her behind on this trip. Don't like to do it, but uh, I am pastor of a church uh, down in Florida for four years now, was on the road 19 years, and we traveled together for 19 years in a trailer or a motorhome. We'd leave home and just be gone for months on end. But here's some of the stuff I want to tell you about. I told you about that teaching on uh, 1 and 2 Thessalonians. Uh, if you see that one thing falling away first and the man of sin be revealed, there's a three and a half year gap. I just tell the people, I say, hey, what has to happen first? And they say, oh, it has to be two things. I said, I said, you're changing the Bible. You're moving that word first after the man of sin be revealed. That isn't what the Bible says. And to prove that, you go to Isaiah 61. You know, in Isaiah 61 verses 1 and 2, there's a 2,000 year gap between the first and second coming. How many of you are familiar with that? Well, that, that's the same philosophy. There's a gap there. They were looking for a conquering Messiah to come back, which, which Isaiah 61 talks about both. When Jesus stood up in the temple, what did he do? He opened the Bible. He started reading Isaiah. He stopped midway through, and he closed the book, and he said, this is fulfilled in your ears. What did he do? He rightly divided the word of truth, and by rightly dividing it, he split that verse into 2,000 years in between a comma right there. Same thing in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1. So it's crucial to understand it. But that book goes over this. This one is When the End Begins. It is a uh, study on Matthew 24, 25. I prove Matthew 24 is not a rapture. When he says he gathers together the elect, he is gathering together the elect. The angels come before him. He gathers the elect together. And then he follows on a white horse and we're behind him, and we're all coming back, and he's going to kill everybody that's not gathered. He's going to gather them, he's going to gather the elect for protection, destroy everybody else, and everybody that's gathered is going in the millennium. It's not a rapture in Matthew 24. They say, oh, there's a cloud there. There's so many clouds in the Bible, you can't make a rapture out of every one of them. And then the next book is a book that I'll probably go over a little bit this morning, and this is Tribulation Salvation. I will show you how somebody saved in the tribulation. And basically, it's going to be that they're protected from deception. I was on the road doing my last, uh, well, right before I decided to, to get into the pastorate in January of 19. And I was listening to the Bible being read to me. And we left Atlanta and drove down to Fort Lauderdale, motorhome, straight through. Eight times I was read Revelation. And in the eighth time, in Revelation 19.20, it said he deceived all those that took the mark. He deceived all those that took the mark. That means those that took the mark were deceived. That means that if it were possible, he would deceive the very elect. It may not be possible to deceive the very elect, which are the saved. Therefore, if God protects somebody from deception, they won't be deceived. They have eternal security by trusting in the Lord in the tribulation. You say, are the people going to be saved in the tribulation? Remember Revelation 6, there's a multitude. Where did these come from, the John was asked. And then he was told, these are they which came out of great tribulation, out of every nation, tongue, and, and everything else. So there's going to be a lot of people saved. So that's three of the books I'm telling you about. And then the fourth one just collects it all. This one's 884 pages. It was my first book written. It's right here. Uh, I use it as a book uh, doorstop, <laughs> if there was a door here. So this book is in its 
fourth edition, eighth printing. Uh, the, first, the first time I ever printed it, it sold out in seven months. And we just, I went on the road. That's why I quit uh, being associate pastor of a church and hit the road because um, the book was in such demand because it just teaches the whole Bible, dispensationally, by the way. And then um, let me go ahead and get into this. The devil wants to get your focus off of Jesus. That's what all of this argument is about. Why am I pre-trib? Because I'm supposed to be looking for Jesus. What does everybody else that's post-trib look for? The Antichrist, the 666, you know, the barcodes, the mark of the beast, Gorbachev's mark on his head, he's, he's the Antichrist. He's dead. But all that stuff, we lost our credibility because of that. He wants you to be thinking about anything else, like signs and wonders, praying to anyone other than Jesus. Listen, if you pray to anybody but Jesus, your focus is off the Savior. And it can't be like that. Looking for the Antichrist, the mark of the beast, and everything else. This is what the world is doing, and they get you all wrapped up in that. Now, we're going to study some of that, but we're going to study it because we need to see that it doesn't apply to us. I've already shown you that in a few things. Wait till we get to the sheet of paper. It, it'll blow you away how simple it is. Isaiah 45, 22, talking about the Old Testament saint, what does it say? Looking unto me... Uh, look unto me and be ye saved all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there's none else. You know what God wanted Israel to do? Look unto him. Look unto him. Look unto him. What does he want us to do? Look unto him. By the way, what does he want the tribulation saint to do? Look unto him to be saved. Well, here's what it is in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 12. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finish of our faith. Looking unto Jesus. That is what we need to be doing. And then you go on, John 1, 29. The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. You know what I need to tell people about and show people? Behold the Lamb of God. Point to the cross. That's my job. That's your job. We study a lot of things during these prophecy conferences, but we need to make sure, behold, the Lamb of God. And then another one, Philippians 3.20, what does it say? For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior. Again, how can it be any clearer? If you're looking for, for all these signs and wonders and marks and, uh, you know, listen, you want to collect food, collect food. I tell my church, I said, you know what you ought to do? You need to stock up on food. I, I told them this two years ago. I said, you know why? Because there may be food shortages and there's going to be inflation. I'm a CPA. Basic practicality. Buy it now. It's going to cost more next month. So that's what I told them. I said, look, it's not, it's not lacking faith if you go ahead and collect some food. Man, I got 365 cans of split peas and beans. At, at 84 cents a can, they're now $1.40. Hey, it's called gold. It's an investment. And if you want some, I'll sell you a couple of cans for $1.20. 2 Timothy 4.8, you know what the Bible says? You want to receive a award? You know what you need to be do doing? You need to love his appearing. I can't imagine being post-trib and he comes back and you get to heaven and, he's, and they say, no, you don't get that reward. Pre-wrath, you don't get that reward. Now, you get to heaven, so they're going to go and they're going to go, what are we doing here? Where's... I thought we were going to the tribulation. What, you don't want to be here? I mean, can you imagine going kicking and screaming up on the rapture just because you're ignorant? And I, I say that with love. Speak the truth in love. I, you know, if I smile, you can't get mad at me. You know what I mean? So, so Titus 2.11, you know what it says? For thy grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men. 
teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, um, I, I did a debate and, and written on this quite extensively, just this one verse. We are to be looking for the blessed hope. No doubt about it. Who is he? Or, or, or the glorious appearing of who? The great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, that's one and the same. It doesn't say our great God, because then we could say, well, they're looking for their great God. We're looking for our great God. No, no, no. We're looking for our Savior. You know what it takes to make him Savior? Personal relationship. Our is before Savior. It's not before a great God. What's it take to make him the great God? So what are you looking for? Jesus Christ, who is the great God, if you're saved, our Savior. That's why the Bible's written the way it's written. It doesn't need to be changed. It needs to be reread, not rewritten. All right? Now, let me give you some preliminary. I always do this in most of my presentations. Man's 6,000-year history. We know that Adam and Eve were about 6,000 years ago, 4,000 years before Christ, maybe 4,004, and about 2,000-plus since Christ's birth. You got eternity in the past, and then you put a couple of things on here. You got the cross and the resurrection, most important events. Um, and then you've got the, the rapture of the church, and then you've got eternity future. And I'm real, on, real big on graphs. I got them all through here, all through all my books and my DVDs and et cetera, et cetera. I don't have them on the CDs, though. <laughs> just, I just want to make sure you're listening. So when you look at this thing, you've got Israel in the Old Testament, about 4,000 years. Who do you have in the kingdom? 1,000 years. 1,000-year reign. It's, it's, it's Israel on earth again. Yeah, we're reigning with them and all that, but it's focused on the nation of Israel. Those that are gathered in Matthew 24 are going into the millennium with glorified bodies. They're saved, according to Matthew chapter 25, but their offspring will be born naturally. They will have to make a decision for Christ. That's why at the end of the thousand years, whenever Satan's loosed for a season, they will be deceived because they don't have that eternal security like, like we do or like, our, like um, our children do if they're saved, our parents did if they're saved, and so on. So what do you got in the middle here? Well, up until in the Old Testament, this was a mystery. The New Testament church has been going on for approximately 2,000 years. And then the one little thing we add over here is Daniel's um, 70th week. I call it Daniel's 70th week rather than the tribulation. And the reason that I do that is because if you call it tribulation, you know, the Bible says uh, tribulation worketh patience. We're all going to suffer tribulation. So I like to call it Daniel's 70th week because that's what it is. It's one week of years in the future, found the book of Daniel and elsewhere, Joel, Isaiah, you go through all that, but it's Daniel's 70th week. So when you hear me say that, I'm just, but I'll, I'll use the word tribulation. I mean, I used it um, in uh, the title of one of my books somewhere up here, um, but I used it tribulation salvation because I know that's what most people call it. Now, I want to go ahead and show you some of this, like, um, and, and again, nobody has ever seen this picture. I did this picture right before I left home. This is Revelation 1, 9, and 10. John on the Isle of Patmos. He's told to write 
uh, in a book. So he starts writing what he's told to write in the book in John 1:11 and Revelation 1:11, and then in Revelation 1:12 through 16. He sees the seven candlesticks, which are the seven churches. And again, uh, oh, let, me, let me preface all this just to tell you. I, I've written two books on Revelation. Both of them are out of print. So I've got another book that's coming in print that will be the book of Revelation that will be illustrated. These are the pictures that will now become the illustrations in the book. Now, they won't have all that stuff over there. That's just so that, um, you know, some of you take pictures of that. You can't just go and take it because it's got a bunch of junk around it. If I just showed you the picture, then you could take the picture. And people have already just some of the other pictures that I've done, so I'm just trying to ward it. I'd really like to introduce this when the book comes out. But I still use it. Um, notice there's a sword coming out of his mouth. He's got seven uh, stars in his right hand and a golden girdle and so on. And, and then I, I push him back a little bit, and you can see you know, where he is. He's up there in the heavens. John sees all that. Can you imagine John in the first century seeing all that stuff. Now, I'm not going to go through chapter 2, 3, and 4, and 5 because when I'm teaching this in my church, I teach Revelation Wednesday night, Sunday morning, uh, Wednesday, Wednesday night, not Sunday morning, Sunday night, and um, Sunday school. And so I'm going, because I got 80 lessons so far, and I'm only through chapter 12. I just started chapter 13. I realized Jesus was going to come back before I finished if I only did it on Wednesday night. <laughs> So the Lord said, you probably better kick it up. So I'm just telling you, he's not, you know, he's, he's on the horizon, I know. He can come back today. Um, but I'm, I'm, I told the Lord, I said, I probably need to pick up the pace, so I did. So let me give you a little bit of preliminary again. The four primary teachings concerning the timing of the rapture of church-age believers. Here they are, the main ones. You got the pre-tribulation rapture, the mid-trib, pre-wrath, and post-trib. Those are the four basic teachings. What's the pre-trib? We go up before any part of the seven years. We come back at the end of the seven years. That's Revelation 19.11 when we come back. Revelation 4.1 is a picture of that. It's a picture of that. And then the mid-trib is just the middle. They go up. They come back. It's just not, you can't teach that. Uh, and I do a lot to show that that's not true. The pre-wrath also doesn't work. And then, you know, they go before the wrath. They say it starts at whatever seal and so on and so forth. There's a lot of different teachings on it. And then post-trib, they go up and they come back. So I am a pre-tribulation rapturist. I believe that. I've taught it. I can prove it. I've debated it. And I, I, I'm nice, but I, I'm firm. I'm firm. Now, I didn't know that many years ago, and I struggled with it. I told the Lord, if I'm supposed to be anything else, would you show me? Because I'll change. It's not a matter of pride. I want to know. And the Lord has answered every single one of my questions. And that's why I write the books. I teach. I preach. I travel. Um, because he's given me the answers to everything that I've ever asked him on these answers that I needed. I mean, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, that little word first changed everything. When he showed me that, I went, oh my gosh, how easy. Falling away first and the man of sin be revealed doesn't mean that it happens, you know, right away. It's just sequentially. Use that word. That's the first time I ever used that word. I'm, I just had a proud moment. <laughs> Sorry about that. All right, there's the pre-tribulation rapture. What is it? We go up we come back after the seven years. What's the post-trib one? I, I always like this. The post-trib is they go up and they come back. I mean, come on. 
What sense does that make? Because you see, they have to agree there's a rapture. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. They have to put the rapture in somewhere. Well, if they believe they're post-trib rapture, they got to have us going up. Now, some of them, they have us going up and floating around and coming right back down. And that's crazy. Where's Jesus at that time? Where Jesus goes, we go. Ever shall we be with the Lord? You know? So, so wherever Jesus is, we're going. So is he going to float around the clouds for a year or two weeks or three weeks? You know, we're raptured up to the clouds, and then we just go around with Jesus for a while, and then we come back? Nothing works but a pre-tribulation rapture. Nothing at all. Now, Revelation chapter 1, verse 19 is the key to understanding, one of the many keys. He said, write the things which thou hast seen. Now, let me ask you, what is that, past, present, or future? Past. All right, the things which are, what's that? Present. And the things which shall be hereafter, what is that? Future. Now, the key to Revelation is finding out where the present is. Let me give you a hint. It's not in chapter 1, 2, and 3. Chapter 4, verse 1, John is caught up to heaven. That's the present. Everything before Revelation 4, 1, the churches, past, Everything hereafter, you'll see that in Revelation 4.1. If you read Revelation 4.1, it ends with the word hereafter. He's there in the rapture. He's up in heaven. It's the present. And then he says, I will show you everything hereafter. It's in Revelation 4.1. It's in Revelation 1.19. But because I have to beat a dead horse to death, I will go over that a couple of times. Things which thou hast seen, that's the past. There's the present, the things which are. And there's the future, the things which shall be hereafter. And so when you put it on the chart, I told you I charted anything, the things which thou hast seen. The past are Revelation chapter 1 through 3, the churches, the church age. He sees the whole church age as past tense because he's in heaven in Revelation 4.1 and it's a picture of the rapture. Everything else is past. Everything hereafter will come. So where do you have Revelation 6 and the, and the um, I didn't want my screen to blank out, so I kept touching it. But I'll just opt to put in my code. Don't worry, it's only four digits. It won't take long. And the, so then you have Revelation 4, 1 is the present. And then you, the, so that's the things which are, Revelation 4, 1, he's in heaven. And the things which shall be hereafter is the future. And what do you see there? The future. You've got Daniel's 70th week. You've got Revelation 6 through 19. You've got the second coming in Revelation 19, 11. And then the millennium and eternity. And then you've got Revelation chapters 20 through 22. Now, if you didn't get all that, it is in my books and my DVDs. Because if we don't sell the books and DVDs, they won't invite me back. They didn't tell me. They didn't tell me that. Um, so again, remember that word hereafter. So he says in Revelation 1:19, write the things which thou hast seen. And you say, well, what what did he see by that? Well, the next verse points to the things which John had seen. Past tense. The church age is past. How do you know? Revelation 1:20. Really easy. Watch this. The mystery of the seven stars, which are the seven churches, which thou what is that, a past word? Sawest. In my right hand, and the seven golden, or, or, uh, and the seven golden candlesticks, the seven stars of the, I'm sorry, the angels of the seven churches, and the seven candlesticks which thou sawest, past tense, are the seven churches. So you see, when he says that, when he say, even though it's written in chapter 2 and 3, 
He's just writing it down in chapter 2 and 3. He's already seen it in Revelation 1. Where's the present? He's writing it as in, in, in Revelation 4.1. Now, John expounds upon what he saw in chapters 2 and 3 as he writes about the entire church age in picture and type. And if you've seen it, we're in the Laodicean age. What I tell my church is we need to be a Philadelphia church in the Laodicean age. Think about that. Oh, we're in the, you know, we need to, back, we need to be backslidden. Because we're the Laodicean Christians. You're here, you're probably not. And listen, you can be a Philadelphia Christian. It doesn't, you know, we don't all have to, you know, give up and say, well, you know, the world's going to hell and we need to go with it, you know. First of all, you can if you're saved. But John then personally serves a picture of the rapture of the church in Revelation 4.1. He starts 4 with a phrase that is after this. After what? After the church age. After this, I looked and behold, a door was opened in heaven. The first voice which I heard was as it were of a trumpet talking with me, which said, come up hither and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. Revelation 1.19, past, present, future. Where's the present? John is sitting there after the rapture in heaven. Where are we? We're with him. You know, technically, he's a picture of it. Don't say it's the rapture. Please don't do that. But he, he's, he's got the present there. He's going to see what's hereafter, which is what? Chapters 4, 5, 6, 7, all the way through the Daniel 70th week. All right. Now, let me get to where we're going to go on that sheet here in a second. Heaven is twice open. It's uh, open once in Revelation 4, 1, open again in Revelation 19. Both times point toward the church. John represents the church going up. In Revelation 4.1, a door in heaven was open. The scripture emphasized the church in chapter 1, 2, and 3 before Daniel's 70th week commences in chapter 6. That's part of the hereafter. And then the second time it's open, the church returns with Christ as part of his armies to make war at the end of the 70th week. And that is Revelation 19.11. He says, and I saw heaven open. How many times is heaven open? Two. Twice. I should follow my own thing. It's, it's twice. Because some of you said the right word. All right, now you need that chart I, I have had handed out. You need, does everybody have a chart? No, no. Oh, my. Does anybody know where they are? Oh, you're back there. Okay. Um, he's going to go ahead and hand them out. Just leave your hand up. Um, I'll go. Oh, my goodness. We've been listening to a portion of a presentation Doug Stoffer gave at our Columbus, Ohio Prophecy Conference last October. The entire presentation, Surviving the Tribulation, and his presentation on the Great Deception are now available on DVD. Call and order your copy when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or you can order on our website, swrc.com. Also available for the first time is the entire Columbus Conference. All 12 speakers, 20 total presentations, one complete DVD set. Part of this complete set is Jonathan Kahn's presentation on the Josiah Manifesto. Order the complete Columbus Conference DVD set today when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Tomorrow, Author Steve Miller will help us keep watch and find hope in Christ's soon return. Be sure to tune in on your favorite radio station 
by downloading our SWRC mobile app or by subscribing to our daily Watchman on the Wall podcast. Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners like you. Visit swrc.org.